0: My name is John Garth. Uh, I'm a physicist. I, that's why I put the PhD up there. But this gives me no special qualifications to talk about creation science. I have to do homework like everyone else does. But still, what it, what it does say is that, as a scientist all my life, I have had an interest in the relationship between Christianity and, and science and wondering how, they, how are they related when I was a graduate student at the University of Illinois some years ago, <laughs> um, I would go from the physics department over to a graduate luncheon at a church, and I felt like I was walking from one world to another. And that is perhaps the way you you can understand how we, we feel. We're almost like alone if we're interested in uh, Christianity and, and, and science. It's... Uh, how do they mix? How do they work together? I hope that some of the talk will address that topic for you. Let's start the uh, slides here. Um, on that handout, and I will come back to this slide again, uh, there are four basic categories of understanding that I want you to have. You need to know what young earth creation means. How do we get to that? We have to look carefully on how science is used to make arguments and to prove things. And you'll see that it's not so straightforward. Then we need to make a few remarks about evolution, but that would be a talk unto itself. But I'm just gonna give you a summary of a few things about evolution. And finally, I think, almost as important as trying to address evolution and, let's say, the community of unbelievers are the Christians who think crea- that evolution is true. And that is a dilemma, which we will try to talk about a little bit. You've heard a little bit about this, I hope, already. So anyway, um, this is, these are the core topics that we're going to talk about and but i'm going to be talking saying a lot of other things as well but that that's where we're going to come back to. Let's see if i can get this thing working Okay, just a quick uh, intro here. I'll tell you a little bit why i have come up with this talk, my background in a little more detail. What is the creation versus evolution controversy? Where can you find information on creation and evolution? What are worldviews? What's the importance of this topic? And finally, those four areas, creation basics, everyone needs to know. Okay, the, here, here's, here's why I'm talking. I've chatted with people who are not that familiar with the topic of creation and evolution. And I find that most of them don't really know where to begin, to to explain it. What, what What is the issue? And so I wanted to say, well, look, I, I, I didn't have that knowledge either when I started into this subject. Um, what is the basics? What, what do I need to know and what else is good, but I don't need to know it as well? Uh, so what's the minimum knowledge the average Christian should have about creation versus evolution? And so my goal is to Boil down this very extensive topic uh, into a very small package, and so we. Will, and that's what's in your hands. Uh, I uh, come from a liberal Protestant background, a Presbyterian, very happy about being that until I learned more things <laughs> that came along. At age 38, I had an experience where I met the Holy Spirit on an airplane reading the book of Romans. And it, it's like the scales came off my eyes as to, you know, you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't deserve your way to heaven. So the question is, how do you get there? The answer is, it's a gift. Why is it a gift? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross so you can have that gift. That's the gospel in a nutshell, and I didn't understand that until that time. I've always been interested in the relationship of faith and science, which I just told you. I read a book. Uh, I lived in Massachusetts before coming to Albuquerque, about before 20 years ago I was there. Um, I picked up a book by a man named Hugh Ross called The Creator and the Cosmos, and I couldn't lay it down. I stayed up almost all night reading the book. I said, I was so excited. Here's somebody who's got it figured out how Christianity and science are connected. There's no conflict." Well, I only had to learn some years later that he was right off. It wasn't right. Um, He was compromising um, evolution into Christianity or long ages, billions of years, all that. He was doing that. Some of his chapters of that book are excellent. They're on the fine-tuning of the universe. And so it's no wonder I was convinced by it. I was very excited to see that. But still, I didn't know that I was reading the wrong material. But it was very exciting. I was unaware of young Earth creationism until moving to Albuquerque in 1995. I was skeptical of it. Didn't see its importance. Became a young Earth creationist at a Creation Science Fellowship meeting around 2005, and it was that was a hard change. I, I really didn't didn't get it. But finally, a man named Russ Humphreys, who's well known in the field, said, "Read Genesis. What does it say in Genesis chapter one? Read it." Okay. It means what it says, doesn't it? And that is the key. Believe the Bible first. That's the key. I, um, I'll, in conjunction with another man here at Hoffmantown, named Bill McCullough, actually, uh, we ran a little seminar, had a few people come in, and we'd talk about issues of faith and science. And he had wanted to go to this convention in Austin, Texas, but was unable to do so. So I said, okay, I'll go. I don't mind. So I went to Austin for several days. And this was a a really intriguing experience. It was very much a Christian convention. I mean, we were singing praise songs and we were reading scripture, the whole bit. Fine. Uh, But there was all these diverse opinions about... Christianity and science. There's something called the Biologus Foundation. Um, Let's see, what else is there? There's, uh, of course, the various compromises like day-age theory, um, gap theory, progressive creation, theistic evolution, the the list goes on. All of them are attempts to fit long ages with the Bible, with, with, with six days, and it just doesn't doesn't work. But anyway, what I noticed while I was there, I said, where are the young earth people? <laughs> where are the, there wasn't anybody. They are all old earthers. And, 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 you know, it's, and they are wonderful people. I had some great t- chats and conversations and so forth. <laughs> but it, I had to tell one of the um, organizers of the meeting, you know, you, you better do this over again. You've got to include the young earth people, too.
1: Austin has everything. But I
0: think I want to spoil their meeting, however. Okay, so, I believe that the majority of Christians do not know the basics of young earth creationism. I didn't, anyway. This includes pastors, churches, denominations, Christian colleges, and seminaries. That's pretty broad. That's very important. It's no accident that books on young earth creation are not readily available. And to convince people to convert from evolution to creation can be hard. Almost everyone starts out as an evolutionist or one who doesn't think the topic's important. So that's the challenge. We'll get into the challenge here some more. Okay, what is this controversy about? What is the debate about? Well, Creation and evolution provide very different opposing views about the origin of the universe, the origin of life on Earth, and the significance or insignificance of man. Very different. Creationism assumes <clears throat> first and foremost that God and the supernatural exists. Or maybe it should be exist, whatever. Evolutionism assumes they don't. In other words, their matter is everything. Energy is everything. but there's no, no God, there's no supernatural. It's all Everything can be explained by natural processes. Let's get this thing back here. Okay, to make the debate more complicated, as I earlier st- said, a lot of Christians believe in a mixture of creation and evolution. It's very easy to get into that. When this mixture occurs, the authority of the Bible, Genesis is diminished in favor of the belief that science has proved evolution, and the universe is billions of years old. Now, another way of saying this is that science adds to the scripture. We're, we're told in the scripture, don't add or subtract from the scripture, right? Well, science adds. And, and because it adds, it diminishes, it, it, it erases the validity of the scripture in favor of something more modern, more intelligent. Okay, here's a little illustration of the difference, a, a picture of the difference between evolution and, and uh, the Genesis account. There isn't terribly much if you study this, but there are two things. The sun and moon and stars are about the fourth day in Genesis and the plants come here. Now, in a more naturalistic explanation, plants are over here, and the stars and galaxies are where we all started. And it's very easy to think that's the case. I I, I have trouble thinking otherwise. So Genesis tells us something very different, something you cannot easily reconcile with so-called science. Okay, I'm gonna give you some testimonies of why we have a problem. The testimony is here. You perhaps know that in colleges and universities, evolution is taught." Well, I, I didn't know, I didn't have first-hand proof of that until I bought a biology textbook for about $80, So I feel a bit sad that it had to be that much. But anyway, here's a quote. Geologists estimate that Earth formed between 4.6 and 4.5 billion years ago. At first, the planet was not a very hospitable place. It was some 6,000 million years or more before the earliest life evolved. When we consider how life might have arisen from a non-living matter, we must take into account the properties of the young Earth's atmosphere and oceans and climate, all of which were very different than they are today. Biologists postulate that complex biological molecules first arose through the random physical association of chemicals In that environment, and so forth. If you remember one of the talks by Mike Riddle yesterday, he said, "Look out for fuzzy words." (laughs) Can you spot my fuzzy words here? Estimate. Oops, jump back to that. Estimate. Um, We consider. Postulate, that's a good one. Random. Oh, might. Random. <laughs> might. Might, yeah, the word might. Okay. You see how this is laced with things that cannot be proved? They're just stating these things out of an opinion? That's the sure. typical thing. Even a biology textbook, yes. I'm sorry, I'm can you move the podium, please, is the podium in you your way? Okay. So I've been using about it very much. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, Um, National Academy of Sciences in Washington is famous for uh, upping evolution and downplaying creation science. And they have in one of their literature a statement like this, creation science is an effort to support special creationism (coughs) through methods of science. Okay, that's probably true. Special creation claims have been discredited by the available evidence. They have no power to explain the natural world and its diverse phenomena. Well, if you (coughs) heard um, Ray Montagon's talk on uh, the the flood and the geology and all the rapid things that happened, I'd say that young Earth explains the geology far better than long ages and uniformitarianism and things like that. So right there I have an example where that's not true. Here's old earth, these are Christians. This book demonstrates how well-meaning creationists have misinterpreted the evidence of geology in their attempt to argue that the earth is only a few thousand years old. And then another book, and I own these books, and I picked those books up at that convention in Austin. They didn't have any young earth stuff. I had to pick up this. There is a growing body of people who have been convinced that the evidence, scientific evidence for evolution and Old Earth are unassailable. So he's convinced that evolution is right. Bill Nye, have you heard about him? Oh, yeah. There's the famous Bill Nye Ken Ham debate that took place a few years ago. And Bill Nye is called what? Um, he's an advocate of science, or whatever the, the word, man of science, whatever. Anyway, here's some marvelous quotes by this guy. From from the book Undeniable Evolution: The Science of Creation. Evolution is one of the most powerful and important ideas ever developed in the history of science. Every question it raises leads to new answers, new discoveries and new smarter questions. The science of evolution is as expansive as nature itself. It's also the most meaningful creation story that humans have ever found. Cool. This guy knows how to publicize. Then another statement, I was a member of the Northwest Skeptics, which is a Seattle-based skeptics organization. We met people who insisted the Earth was 6,000 years old. The innatity took my breath away. <laughs> when you understand anything about astronomy or just a rudimentary understanding of radioactivity, the Earth is patently not 6,000 years old. It's silly. This is the controversy. This is what people say about the young Earth's creationist viewpoint and here I am trying to argue against this. Well, let's keep on going and see if we can do it. How do we know the age of the earth? That's, that is a critical question. Um, it divides Christians from old earth to young earth for one thing, and it certainly divides you from those who believe in billions of years of the, and so forth. The answer is from the Bible. The Bible is both historically and theologically accurate Nowhere in the Bible is there any hand of millions or billions of years we can infer the age of the earth from what it says. The estimated age of the earth is 6,000 years. Every single dating method outside of scripture is based on fallible assumptions. I'm making some assertions here. Well, let's see. How did did we uh, find out that it was 6,000 years? Well, I stumbled on this information. Apparently, if you Go to the scripture and estimate the number of years from the creation to the flood, 1,600 some years. Flood to Abraham, Abraham to now comes out 6,000. This is not an exact number. Some people come up with 8,000 and so forth. But the point is it's not millions of years, not by the Bible anyway. Could you, if, you leave that on for another second before I write it down? Sure, okay, we'll do that for sure. As I say, uh, the age of the Earth is, is the t- One can talk about that for the whole hour. This is a critical term, you know. Do you believe the Earth is short or long? And that divides people. And uh, I mean, we, we've been bombarded and, and imbued with billions of years types of statements You're in the newspaper, in magazines. Uh, any science magazine you can think of supports evolution in billions of years that's a fact so we're, that's where we're going uphill a little bit here. Are we okay bunny? okay okay here's some, how some Christians view creation versus evolution. Many well-known Christian colleges teach evolution that 's Wheaton and Calvin. These are well-known colleges. The seminaries where pastors are trained assume that evolution is true. They're just not willing to do the homework. And a good example is, is uh, Wayne Gruden. I'll make a quote from him. He's a good theologian. Churches, pastors have every done on a steer away from the topic because it is controversial. And, and that's why you don't hear many seminars like this. Okay, here's some quotes from Wayne Gruden. I own this book and I I admire what he writes very much. Very, very helpful. But as far as the importance of the age of the earth, before entering into a discussion of the age of the earth, Gruden says that the topic is really much less important than these doctrines, the ones right below. (laughs) God created the universe out of nothing. Creation is distinct from God, yet always dependent on God. God created the universe to show his glory the universe God created was very good. There will be no final conflict between scripture and science and secular theories that deny God as creator, including Darwinian evolution are clearly incompatible with belief in the Bible. I can't argue with any of that, but here comes the problem. Terry Mortensen, a man in Answers in Genesis who I have great respect for, I've heard him talk and seen his writings, he, is a criti- criti- he criticizes theologians, so he really goes at it. These statements by Grudem about what is most important is simply an assertion. He gives no arguments or biblical evidence to support it. Furthermore, judging from how much God says about the age of the creation compared to how much he says about most of these other matters that Grudem mentions, the age of the earth is far more important. The age of the earth strikes at the heart of the question of the authority of scripture let me repeat that phrase, authority of scripture. That is what we're talking about. Is the Bible correct or not? As written or not? Is it inerrant or not? That is the thing you have to decide. The world will try to persuade you it is not. And this is a book by Terry Martinson which uh, covers both biblical authority and the age of the earth. I have a copy in that box over there. Just something I recommend. It's on your list, too. As said earlier, creation explains the facts based on the assumption of a supernatural completed process. Evolution explains the facts based on the assumption of natural continuous processes. Uh, Here's a quote from Dominique Statham, a fellow I actually met. British creation is, someone who doesn't believe in a creator must believe the alternative, that life arose by only natural processes. And as someone who does not believe in God, he must also believe there is nobody to whom we are morally accountable. So this is a feature beyond what we've been talking about, the moral aspect. The Bible establishes that, evolution does not. Where can a person find information on evolution? Answer, almost everywhere. In other words, everywhere you can find evolution, evolution. Almost all bookstores, public libraries, university libraries, especially museums of science, science magazines and journals, Discovery, all these magazines, they're all evolution-oriented. So, you know, it's not surprising. Where can a person find information on creation? (laughs) It's not so easy to find. One place to start is right here. Um, there's a book table out there in the hallway. There's some literature you might consider. it's um Creation Science Fellowship of which we are of which I'm a member meets every third Tuesday night and we have speak speakers on one topic or another in creation science. <clears throat> we always have the book table is outstanding. It has tr- tremendous n- number of books, DVDs and and other materials.
1: <clears throat> John, why don't you tell them where that's at?
0: Uh, what's the question?
1: Why don't you tell them where that's at? Moon and Where Moon the meeting Central.
0: is? It, it's held at Moon faith. Moon
1: and Central at Faith Bible Church, 7 p.m., the third Tuesday of every month.
0: Exactly right. Thank you for that. That's right. And,
1: uh, By the way, I'm a lifetime member.
0: <laughs> well, I might as well be. Yonder,
1: <laughs> they, they, they had. You give that much in your lifetime, member. I'm, I'm a lifetime member. Well, Bible churches Moon and okay. Central.
0: Okay. The most important the southeast
1: is southeast corner. Yeah, you go around behind and come in the back.
0: You can start with Central, and then between Eubank and Wyoming. Uh, moon is there. The traffic light. You make a uh, turn to the south. And small parking lot, but usually enough for people. Uh, what I want to say about Creation Science Fellowship is, I, as far as I know, this is the only organization in New Mexico that represents and talks about creation science. So we are a lonely bunch, in a sense. <laughs> 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 not, not a popular thing, but we're trying to expand. This is what the seminar does for us is to um, disseminate this information and, and, and explain the issue, and so that's what I'm trying to do. Where else can you find information on creation? Here's the four different organizations that I hope you'll remember some of them. Answers in Genesis, where Ken Ham is the founder, where the big creation museum is, and where the Noah's Ark is just about complete. It's in, a, in a Kentucky. Institute for Creation Research is in Texas. A well-long standing one. Excellent. Creation Ministries International is in Florida and Australia. Uh, it has wonderful speakers and, and resources. Creation Research Society is a little different. That's where they publish uh, journal articles on the subject here. If I give you that book list, you also have another resource. If you can look up those books on the web and see what they look like, you might consider a purchase. So you'd be informed. You can decide if there any if that's what they, you want or not. The centerpiece of a biblical worldview is God, while the centerpiece of an atheistic worldview is nature and man. A biblical worldview has its entire focus on God, while an atheistic worldview does not does everything in its power to be sure God is not a part of the world? In a biblical worldview, everything you see should be viewed through the Word of God. An atheistic worldview does not allow for creation because there's no God. From their perspective, the world came to be out of naturalistic causes, not because God created it. Let's see, here we go. I'm not used to this thing. So uh, what about, I have, this is the topic I've done a lot of reading on and trying to really get a handle on why is this subject important. I'll give you a few reasons. This is not a great reason, but it actually is it's so, so uh, electrifying that it divides Christians. So that shows there must be something important about it, that people would get concerned about it. Evolution indoctrination destroys faith. This is uh, if you if young people go to a public school and, and college and, and learn about evolution, this, they tend to drift away from church. They don't believe. Well, how can this church be correct compared to that? This indoctrination interferes with the understanding of the gospel. That is the seriousness of sin and the need for redemption. Uh, interrupt back there. Want uh, back it up? That one book is out there on the table. If you can back up one, is it on All, already gone? Already, is going out there, and it's, I have I, so I have, a co- I have a copy there as well. Okay, um, if Genesis is incorrect as written, how can we be sure the Gospel is true? In other words, the Bible is a consistent document. If we, if we say, well, Genesis is a fable or allegory. Uh, what, how, can we go and use that same evaluation of other verses of scripture? It just diminishes the authenticity or authority of scripture. The unearth position is constantly under attack. Why? It has to do with worldviews, how you look at things. It also has to do with the rebellion against God. Basically if people don't want to be responsible to God, don't want to hear about him. Creation is wrong. It can't be right because that points to a creator who is God. Morality is based on the Bible, on God, not nature, materialism, humanism, and so on. Nobody can manufacture morality from that. Okay, we're down to our basic topics. I think we're right here now. Young earth creation. The definition of young earth uh, creationism is is a belief that God created the earth around 6,000 years ago in six days. Just one sentence. It assumes the creation account in Genesis is illiteral history. Real, real, this is almost a restatement. It assumes that the Bible is the word of God and 100% true and accurate as written. Everything was created in six days. Read Genesis 1 and <clears throat> Exodus 20. There are there plenty of corroborating scriptures throughout the the Bible, which, uh, you know, build on the Genesis account. So it's not all by itself. The earth is young, around 6,000 years old. And I tr- tried to give you an estimate using genealogies that are in the Bible. The great flood described in Genesis 7 was global and actually happened. It sort of mystifies me a little bit why evolutionists don't want to hear about a global flood. It, but it, it seems to it just doesn't square with their assumptions I guess of a uniformitarianism a, everything goes gradually uh, type of uh, viewpoint but uh, if you come into these type of talks and read the literature you'll find a lot about the flood and it's because it was such a ch- sea change to the to the earth and to humanity. It just changed everything, it just destroyed the perfect world we had before. And uh, we now have to eat meat. We didn't have to eat meat before, things of that sort. So, it, 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 I mean, you look at the mountains, you look at the, the uh, Grand Canyon and, and other things, it, it, it's clear that it's not a simple, gradual, type of uh, geology going on there. Then finally, sin and death occurred when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. No death occurred before that. Now, that last statement is important to say. If you're an old earth creationist, and you, then you believe that evolution was true or even in long ages, then death occurred before Adam and Eve. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says death started when Adam and Eve sinned. So any any theory involving, you know, quote, life for many, many, many years and death um, are just, do not square with Scripture. Scripture says death started then and that's for the animals as well as people. Oops, try again. Okay, Nate, talk about science a bit. We'll take a look at science, what it is and what it is not. A favorite tactic of evolutionists is to say to creationists, it's not science, it's religion. Evolution claims to be a scientific explanation of the way various living species came into being. It's claimed that evolution is a well-tested and well-substantiated scientific theory. Fortunately, creationists have numerous ways to refute that claim. Making the clear distinction between observational science and historical science is a key part of the argument. And I can't say that loudly enough. There's a critical difference between operational, observational, present day science and historical science. Operational science involves experimentation in the here and now. Experimental operational science involves discovering how things operate in today's creation, repeatable and observable phenomena in the present. Historical origin sciences deals with the origins of things in the past that are unique unrepeatable, unobservable events. Deals with how something that came into existence in the past and so is not open to experimental ver- verification. Um, and then I put sort of a note here. When you include historical science as being just part of science, if you just say, I, I'm gonna talk about science, but don't make that distinction, there's confusion because some of the things involved in historical science can't be observed. Well, the observationalness can be. And evolution is a historical science quote. It looks at the past, tries to tell where the things started. Well, then there's no way to verify it, by being there at least. All All you can do in historical science is to come up with the best explanation. Creation, we can't observe that either. We, we just say the creation is a better explanation of what you see than evolution or millions of years. And, and the evidence keeps piling up, like dinosaur bones being discovered recently with uh, red flesh in them and DNA, uh, recent. Um, one of the best, I'm, I'm just going a little ahead here, um, carbon 14, you've heard, is omnipresent around the Earth's surface. It's a radioactive, with a relatively short half-life, and the fact that there's carbon-14 everywhere means that it's not an old Earth, because carbon-14 has a half-life such that it would have disappeared if it were millions of years. So we, there's a evidence right in front of our head that there's a young Earth. And you, have to, you should be looking for more and more evidences or confirmations of the young Earth uh, problem. Nature of science, this is, I'm just re- referring to the Ham-Nye debate again. Uh, Ham, I'm talking about what Ham said, that said observational science is um, different from historical science. And I've, I hope I've made that point he said the creation-evolution debate is really a conflict between philosophical worldviews based on two different accounts of origins or historical scientific belief. I'm going to just move along here. Another point of science. This is one I don't think people say very often, but they should. Humanity has too high a view of science. We put it up on a pedestal. We think it's, it's the last word. If you have, if it's if if, if it's science. It exalts science to be above and equal to scripture. Science, the distinction is man, science is man-created knowledge. The Bible was written by God. So here's where the old earth people make their mistake is when they exalt science above scripture. And this is an easy danger to fall into. Now, there's a word—I'm going to digress from the, the flow of the talk a little bit onto the term called scientism, um, because it's an important present-day issue, which I'll show. The term scientism is the dogmatic endorsement of scientific methodology, reduction of all knowledge to only that which is measurable. Well, that's one definition. I'm going to give you several others. Um, More scientific definitions. I'm going to go to the middle one. The uncritical application of scientific or quasi-scientific methods to inappropriate fields (laughs) of study or investigation, or an exaggerated trust in the efficacy of the methods of natural science applied to all areas, including philosophy, social sciences, and humanities. found a quote from a, a lecture given by a man from MIT. What is scientism? Scientism is the belief that science is all the real knowledge there is. I think scientism is, a, is the heart of the question of the relationship between science and Christianity or science and religious faith. Scientism is basically a religion. You're worshiping science and saying, there's nothing else It's true. Scientism is not a finding of science, it is a worldview there's a book which i haven't read but I found some excerpts from which looks what it's trying to do is tell you that in today's obama's administration scientism is having a shot they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing with science one example is studying premature infants exposing them to higher levels of lower levels of oxygen to see which ones were more likely to die. And a defender of this approach is a guy named Francis Collins who's famous for the human Genome Project. Um, he's spo- supposed to be a Christian. I don't know. There are other areas of scientism, ecology, environmentalism, medicine, bioethics, eugenics. All these are no longer um, sacred, shall we say, or, or separate from science. They, they just say, okay, we're going to use science, come what may. It really dehumanizes people is what it boils down to. So I just had to make an, a, a little statement about scientism for you. Okay, getting back to evolution. It's a total philosophy that purports to explain the origin and development of all things by natural properties and processes in a un- closed universe. Evolution is essentially synonymous with naturalism or materialism, and these are little excerpts from a book by Henry Morris, who's a great founder of creation science. Almost <clears throat> the theory of evolution assumes at least these things: life comes from non-life. <laughs> that was beautifully sh- shown by uh, Mike Riddle last night. Or um, you know, it, there's no way molecules are gonna exhibit life, uh, but they have to assume that. Random mutations, and you have those mutations, then you have natural selection among those mutations, survival of the fittest. Plus, you better have vast periods of time or evolution's never gonna work, never. About evolution by evolutionists, most enlightened persons now accept the, as a fact that everything in the cosmos, from heavenly bodies to human beings, has developed and continues to develop through evolutionary processes. This, the great religions of the West have come to accept a historical view of creation. Evolutionary concepts are applied also to social institutions, to the arts, indeed most political parties, so on. It's, I mean, he, he really believes it, doesn't he? atheists cannot be persuaded of the truth of the Bible because by design, evolution is an explanation of reality that rules out God. There's no room for a creator in evolution. The theory is based on materialistic naturalism. And the famous quote by Carl Sagan, the cosmos is all that there is or was or ever will be. Well, that sounds like a real pontification there. Uh, uh, okay, what about evolution? It's impossible because A, it violates the second law of thermodynamics. There's no way to move from a disordered state to an ordered state containing information particularly. Mutations are overwhelmingly harmful. They represent damage to DNA. Over many generations, a species will become successively weaker and finally dry out. So that kind of puts a k-bosh on Things getting up and up and better and better uh, can't happen. Finally, and I guess this is one of the most important things: no transitional life forms have ever been found. And Mike Riddle illustrated that well. And and Darwin said, "My my theory stands or falls on that." And <laughs> no transitional life forms have been found. In other words, there's distinct pieces, species or kinds, and no way of going from one to the other. If evolution were true, man has no real purpose. He's an animal, equivalent to every other animal. Morality has no meaning. Evolution provides no objective moral standard. Man sets his own standards to please himself, and these standards are always changing. We're getting toward the end here. Um, I just have to say things about the compromises. Uh, Christian creation, evolution compromises. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with including evolution with crea- creation? I've already said it violates the goodness of God. Many years of death occurred if evolution were true. How can this be good? And then the concept of sin is lost. Adam's sin brought death and decay. This is the basis of the, de- of the gospel. So it's, the Bible has, it has the last word. Okay, here's just an illustration of showing all the bones of dead animals on which uh, our very good creation is founded upon. It's uh, kind of a funny picture there. More problems with compromises. If the Genesis accounts of creation, the great flood and the Tower of Babel are not historical, the divine inspiration of the whole Bible is being questioned. Contradicts the straightforward understanding of the word of God interpretation, which is what you're doing when you do old earth, tries to impose evolutionary concepts. According to the Bible, creation has fallen in need of restoration. So, okay, this is your little handout here. And uh, let's see if there's anything. uh, um, Let me just... Just quickly go over it with you. You have it in front of you. Um, We talk about young earth creationism, what it is. The Bible is the word of God, and so on. Talk about science, different kinds of science, and the fact that science can be exalted above scripture. Evolution assumes certain things and is really impossible. It's It's a fable. Or hopes, as Mike Riddle would say. Christian creation evolutionary compromises violate the goodness of God, the concept of sin is lost, the Genesis accounts of creation and flood and Babel are not historical, if, if they assume that, and the divine inspiration of the Bible is being questioned. Contradicts a straightforward understanding of the Word of God, allegorical. Poetical interpretation, and these are what they use all over the place. It leaves room for extra-biblical, long-age concepts to be introduced. This is just your little summary of your t- of this talk. So I hope this is boils down a little bit what the key some of the key arguments are. There's much more than that, but this I had to try to make in a, a form that was that you could. Take home, basically. Finally, the summary, creationism and evolutionism are the diametrically opposed worldviews. Acknowledging God as creator offends people's pride. Since Adam and Eve, we've all wanted to be our own God. This is how sin began. The Bible says there's no, there is a war between man and God. There's no excuse not to acknowledge God. <coughs> Romans tells that, there's just no excuse. But people have make excuses, but there is none. Uh, Evolution is an attempt to explain things without God. It supports atheism, gives it a scientific basis. Evolution puts science on a pedestal, calls creationism religion. The creation model is supported by scientific evidence far better than the evolution model. I just mentioned again some websites. That are important. If you want further information, easily just go to the web. Our meetings occur at at Faith Bible Church, and I give you several recommendations among those pile of books over there. Uh, Evolution's Achilles Heels has both a book and a DVD, and it it goes—it's a long DVD, but very, very well produced. Then here's a provocative title evolution the greatest deception in modern history <laughs> finally and this is a guy who's at liberty university named david DeWitt, unraveling the origins controversy very helpful for getting it figured out what's going on i think i've i've come to the end <laughs> and now i'm ready for questions if there's time and there there might be okay um
1: who said years ago the alternative to evolution is unthinkable? In other words, faith in God and creation. I heard that years ago. You've
0: heard someone say that it's, it's, unthinka- it's unthinkable, creation is unthinkable? Right.
1: <laughs> that's why they don't.
0: Well, that's, as I say, um, part of the reason for this meeting, conference, and part of the reason for this talk is to highlight the war between evolution and creation, young Earth creation, which means the Bible." So it really boils right down to that. So when you're reading articles and they say, "Oh, that meteorite was uh, about a million years ago years old as I have." found a UNM investigator found, <laughs> just laugh, yeah. just laugh, it's not true. Uh, and uh, But unfortunately, it's, that's what pervades. See, the, the press, as well as the university, reinforces uh, the evolution point of view. We're, we're, yes, go ahead. Uh, I think a stumbling block uh, for a lot of people is that are the uh, dinosaurs. And I was wondering if uh, you could put back up uh, uh, your layout of Genesis the six-day creations and kind of maybe do you feel that the dinosaurs were eradicated during the Great Flood or or where did they fall in Genesis as their uh, their creation and their demise? I have to say I'm not an expert on dinosaurs at all, but we did hear from uh, Mike Riddle Last night, that recent dinosaur's <laughs> bones have been found with DNA in them, indicating they're not extinct.
1: Could I take that question? Please. Please. If you go over to Clayton, New Mexico, just across the border into uh, Oklahoma, you will find footprints of dinosaur with man's footprints inside of it, in the rocks, buried there. There's also over by Big Springs, Texas, similar things that are found. The dinosaur goes along with the, with the beasts that were created on day five. Man was created on day six. People say they couldn't have survived on the ark because they're too big. Okay, however, if you take the dinosaur, they grow as a reptile does, the longer they live, the bigger they get. If you take a snake that's this long, he's older than one this long, okay? So as you see these huge reptiles in the museum down here, you say that wouldn't have to on the ark. But God tells us in Genesis uh, passage of the flood 6-9 through nine of Genesis that all animals went on the ark. Who sent them? God says they came to the ark. Noah didn't go out and get them. Now God sent the individual creatures. So if God was sending the individual creatures would he send Old creatures that were going to die soon, or would he? Be, he sent young creatures that were going to be prolific in re-establishing those creatures on the earth. He sent young ones. So these huge dinosaurs that are that are 900 years old, comparable to the men of that age that died when they were 900 years old, they wouldn't have been the ones going on the ark. It would have been the young ones. And so maybe the dinosaur was the size of a cow versus size of the huge ones, so they would be prolific. And yes, the dinosaur survived the flood, or we wouldn't see the footprints with man's footprints inside. Does that answer the question? Um, yeah, that gives me an idea of... Uh, where they placed in Genesis. You're saying the old dinosaurs were were victims of the flood? Just like most people were. Yes. But the young ones survived and went to be big ones. However, the lifespan of man changed after the flood. If you read the flood story, the Genesis account in chapters 5 and 10, you find that the lifespan greatly Decreased after that, there would have been no more absolutely huge ones after the flood. They started shrinking inside
0: because they didn't live up One of these. Thank you. Thank you, John. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming. I very appreciate your presence here.